Four days before we lost Joe to hatred and savagery, she had looked happier and more alive than ever. The river below us glinted in the pale sunshine as we relaxed over the weekend at our cottage on the borders between England and Wales. It was a serene Sunday morning, and I was stretched out in the hammock. I had damaged my foot two days earlier, and it was propped up for comfort. Joe kept zipping up from working in the garden she loved to see me or the kids. Whenever she nudged my foot by mistake, it felt like a hammer hitting my swollen ankle. Sorry, Coxie, Joe said every time. I keep forgetting. The Friday before, back in London, I'd spent the day looking after Layla, and we'd gone to pick up Coolin from his reception class. On the way back to our boat on the Thames, where we had lived for five years, I was mucking around as usual with the kids. We were playing monsters. I was the monster, and they screamed gleefully while I chased them. They were so used to Joe and me climbing mountains, caving, cycling, swimming and canoeing that Coolin and Layla were startled suddenly to see their dad lying on the ground. Mid-chase I'd turned my ankle and fallen. I thought I might have broken it as I'd felt something snap. Coolin and Layla helped me lift my bike, which I'd left against the railing. At least I could lean on the handlebars. The kids, amused by my hopping, laughed again. Joe was about to get home after a night away in Yorkshire. As the Labour MP for Batley and Spen, where she'd grown up, she'd been busy with a mixture of campaigning for the UK to remain within the EU and the work she loved above all, helping her constituents with their problems. She always returned tired but full of stories and ideas for what else she could do to make a difference. When she saw me stretched out on the sofa, she took one look at my uncle and said, I should take you to hospital. I hadn't looked under my sock but now noticed that my foot had ballooned and darkened. I'll be fine. I protested, wanting to avoid a Friday evening in A&E. A weekend at our cottage would be the best treatment. Joe, as always, drove us down that night. Through a combination of living in London and laziness, I had yet to pass my driving test. We arrived at the cottage just before midnight, and, using a big branch as a crutch, I limped down the steep hillside to the cottage, while Joe carried Layla. Poor Coolin had to be woken up to walk down by himself, as I could barely carry myself, let alone him. Joe and I often used to wonder when the kids would realise that being carried down a hillside through a forest in the middle of the night every weekend wasn't normal, but luckily that night they took it in their stride. By Sunday I felt much better, at least until Joe banged my foot for the umpteenth time. I actually laughed as she apologised yet again. She could be maddening and wonderful both at the same time. Joe and I had been together more than ten years. She was the most incredible person I had ever met. I remember her smiling face as she bent to kiss me was flecked with mud and sticky smudges, evidence of the gooseberry jam she and the kids had made that morning, followed by some gardening. Joe went to stand in the centre of our newly completed open-walled barn, dubbed Beta Barn, which she had designed and got built. I had been a sceptic on the project, but now it was finished... We all agreed that it was magnificent, a lovely spot from which to savour the view. After all Joe's work, it seemed fitting we should name it after her. I often used her old nickname of Beta. Before our marriage, she was Joe Leadbeater, just as she still sometimes called me Coxie in her distinctive Yorkshire accent. The cottage was a long way from Yorkshire, but it was our hinterland, our retreat from the world. Our son, Coolin, named after a great mountain range on the Isle of Skye that Joe and I had climbed when she was pregnant in 2010, was still only five. Our daughter Layla, whose name came from friends of ours in Bosnia, was just three years old. 
It was the first weekend after the barn had been completed, and Jo was very pleased with it and with herself. So, what do you think, Coxie? She said with a smile, sinking back into a chair next to my hammock. Okay, you were right, I admitted. Jo had been sold on the idea of the cottage from the moment she saw the photo I texted her. My best friend Will Paxton and I had spotted it, and a hand painted for sale sign, while canoeing down the river in 2012. We'd had to back paddle desperately while we tried to remember the estate agent's details. Joe and I hadn't been looking for anywhere to buy, but this place just caught our imagination. The next day we spoke to an estate agent who did his best to put us off. It was a mile from the nearest track, and he was clearly sick of getting his smart shoes muddied on site visits with people who were never going to buy it. You do realise it's in a wood with no road access, and no electric, and no running water, and no heating. We reassured him that that was precisely why we were interested.